Hello, everyone, and welcome back to EpiCentral. I'm your host, Maddie Lewis, infectious disease epidemiologist. And in today's episode, I'm going to talk about the atrocities of TikTok. But before we get started, I am starting a segment called No One Asked, where I talk about things I want to talk about even though nobody asked me to. Also, I feel like I sound kind of weird different right now, and that's because I'm very slightly hungover. I'm fine now, but you know, woke up with a little headache. It's Halloween, so you know how it is. And no one asked, but I dressed up as a disco cat. Yeah, don't worry about it. But that's not what I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes. What I want to talk about um, is has to do with manifesting, which if you're one of my friends, you're probably going to be annoyed because I'm always talking about, oh, I'm manifesting this, whatever, whatever. And I know some of y'all think it's cute, but I'm sure some of y'all get annoyed. I don't really care. I'm not going to get into the spiritual side of things or the philosophical side, but I'm just going to say something that I started doing recently that everybody can try. And it is so crazy how things have really turned around, like in a really good way. So a lot of times when you start looking into like manifesting and reading about all of that stuff, um, sometimes it'll be like, oh, how to get your ex back, how to attract this person in your life, whatever. And a lot of times those tips and those affirmations and all of that can work. But what I've realized recently is to stop trying to control the people around me and to only focus on my what's called my self-concept, which is like the beliefs and ideas and identities that I hold about myself specifically. So instead of affirming that, um, you know, this person loves me or, or this other specific person is going to ask me to hang out or like whatever, instead I focused solely on I am the type of person who's uh, deserving and worthy of friendship and of this and of that and I'm funny and I'm this and only focusing on myself. And when you start to do that and truly believe in those things, those affirmations that you say about yourself, then people will really reflect that back to you. It's insane. I haven't told anybody about this and I've literally, I've made multiple friends in the last like week or two and even some of them have said the basically exact same things that I've been affirming about myself every single day. They've said them back to me and they have no idea. For example, if I was affirming that I'm funny, cute, and interesting or something like that, then somebody would come up to me and be like, oh my god, I'm so glad we started becoming friends. You're so funny, cute, and interesting. That's That didn't exactly happen, but something very, very similar. So basically my tip that I think everybody should really try because I swear on my life it works is to write down attributes about yourself that you want to be like this dream version of yourself and the type of attention that you have and receive the type of energy you embody for example like oh one of mine is I wake up every day happy and energetic or everyone around me loves and adores me write down those affirmations about yourself Say them to yourself every day, once or twice a day. Don't do it too much because then you might get obsessive, but do it like once or twice a day. Best to do it when you're waking up or going to sleep. Or if you meditate, then during a meditation works really well. I also like standing in front of or sitting in front of my mirror and saying them to myself, looking at myself in the mirror. That can be very, very helpful. That actually got me through two breakups I've had in last year. (laughs) Like just telling myself things in the mirror. I don't know why it's so helpful. 
Anyway, say these things to yourself for like a couple days to a couple weeks and really try your best to actually believe yourself. And it might feel a little unnatural at first because you might not believe that you are these things, like that you are worthy and that you're loved and that you love yourself. You might not believe them at first, but after you start to tell yourself these things every single day, you will start to believe them eventually. You will, especially if you're trying, you know? And trust me, just watch the world around you conform to your self-concept. It's insane. And even if you don't believe in like manifesting or any of that stuff, it's really the same, along the same lines, it's just like the importance of confidence and, you know, sports psychology type stuff. Anywho, I think going into 2022, I think we need to cancel self-deprecation. I get that people use that as a means to cope and like you go girl, but I think we should cancel it, honestly. Telling yourself that you're not worthy or not good or bad at things, like, it's, it literally does nothing to help you. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, it's good to be self-aware and to recognize your faults. Like, obviously do that. Be self-reflective and introspective, but don't, don't disrespect yourself for no reason. I think, honestly, most people go through life being self-deprecating at points. They'll often call themselves, oh, that was such a dumb thing I did. Oh, I'm so stupid. I should have parked here instead of there. Just, just stop with those, even those little comments and see how your life changes over time when you stop even making those small comments about yourself. And just, in, just as importantly, stop making those comments about other people too. Stop talking badly about other people. Um, don't get me wrong, like, I still struggle with this too, with both of these, actually, but the less you do it and the more you just see the positive things or just, like, stop blaming people for little things, then um, you'll really see differences, I promise. Anyway, I'm rambling about this, but at the end of the day, my tip is to just embody, start to embody the exact person that you want to be. Hold the energy, carry that energy of who you want to be every day. And in my opinion, the easiest way to do that is to say these affirmations once or twice a day, and then you will start to naturally embody that energy of the person you want to be. And then after a couple days or a couple weeks, you will be that person. And of course, I have to give this as a disclaimer. Don't take this as any sort of mental health or medical advice. These are just ideas to improve your self-confidence, and they really have improved mine. So good luck. Okay, well, enough of that. And last thing I want to say is I know that there probably aren't any haters listening to this, but I do get comments sometimes on TikTok or I, I will see things on other people's videos about astrology, like a scientist posting about astrology or something like that or something spiritual and people will hate on them because they'll be like, this is pseudoscience. How do you believe in this? And my thing with that is when it comes to spiritual matters, most people recognize that spirituality and science are completely different ideas and that spirituality is often not trying to be science, but people will point to it and say it's pseudoscience, even though nobody ever attempted to claim that it was scientific. Like if you're claiming that your religious text is scientific, I don't know. I don't think many people really actually do that. And I find it really weird that people can't see the difference of that and will make fun of scientists for believing in different having different spiritual beliefs and it's like scientists are normal people <laughs> anyway but there's no haters on here so it's fine let's get into the episode so this episode was very easy to write because the content is so out there and easy to find 
But first, I'm going to share why I even started making TikToks. So I don't know about y'all, but I knew about TikTok back when it was a kid's app called Musical.ly. As a 20-something-year-old, I obviously didn't know much about it or care. I was in college, I believe, at the time. And all I knew was that kids got on there and did little dances and lip-synced. And I knew about it because my adorable little cousin, Natalie and Amber, little cousins, I should say, uh, would get on there, um, I'm pretty sure, at the time. And then years later, the pandemic happened in spring of 2020. Nobody can forget. And I was finishing my first year at grad school at the time. And basically, all of our schoolwork was canceled. And this was such a hard time. I know everybody either lost their job or was working overtime. It was crazy. So I was working at the state health department. And I was actually putting in like 35 to 40 hours a week because I was working part-time on foodborne illness. And then I started part-time on COVID. And at that point, we were still actually in office. And eventually we switched to online. And one of my proudest work moments was I was the one on one or I think it was both of my teams who helped us fully transition to work from home. Like these workers were so busy. They were like, we have no idea how we're going to work from home. And I was like, I'll handle it. And I got all of like the student work to be online and it worked out. So very proud of myself for that. I always forget that I did that, but that's actually a really, it's a big thing that I did for the state health department. Anyway, I would get home from work on these days and I would be super stressed because it was COVID, COVID, COVID all day and you know, the craziness. So I was really stressed and I would get off work and drink my Trader Joe's box wine and watch Riverdale every day. Love Riverdale. I love trash. I love Twilight. I love Fifty Shades of Grey. Fun fact about me, I just, I love trash. I can't help it. Those types of shows and movies are my favorite. I, I can't explain. If you know, you know. Anyway, on the weekends, I would Zoom with my grad school friends and Uber Eats from whatever restaurant I wanted to try that week. That got me into an Uber Eats addiction spiral. It's really sad. And some of my friends kept talking about how funny TikTok was and then in May, I finally caved in and downloaded. You know, like I was, I was procrastinating, I guess is the right word. Um, I was putting it off, on, trying not to download it because I just thought it was like a silly kids app or whatever. But then people would have like really funny videos. It was, it was turning into Vine at that point. And I was like, okay, like maybe I should get on. But even when I was on Vine in high school, right before the peak of Vine, I would say, I actually deleted it because I was so addicted. Like I would get on, I could easily, after school, I could easily get on for two hours on days that I didn't have to work or after soccer practice or whatever, I could just get on and easily lose two hours. And I'm like, this, like, I do not have time for this. Okay, and side ramble, how did we have time for anything in high school? I do not know how I put in so much work those days. I mean, I guess I was an energetic, like, 16-year-old, but still, man, no wonder we slept so much. I cannot imagine going in person 8 a.m. to 3. Absolutely not. Just sitting there learning and taking notes and, oh, I have seven assignments. What? How did I do that? And then you go home, you have time to eat a snack, and then you go to work three times a week. And then the other two times a week, I had like soccer practice or something. Or I would hang out with a friend on one of those days or whatever. I don't even know what I did. If I worked, I would get home at like eight or nine. 
And then if I had soccer, I'd get home at like probably like seven and then I would eat. And then it's like, you have to do homework. Someone please explain how that worked. I don't know. College was honestly just as bad too, but I won't get into that. Back to TikTok. So I remember I finally got on and I downloaded it. And I remember it was kind of weird to use at first. And whenever I've seen other people first downloaded it, download it and start watching it. It is kind of, it's really awkward at first to use because the before you page isn't curated for you yet. But once you start searching some hashtags and just like scrolling through videos and the algorithm will pretty quickly pick up what you like and what keeps your attention and it it will curate your page for you. And if you're on TikTok, you know you know that TikTok algorithm is insane. The C- the American CIA needs to take notes from that TikTok algorithm. I am not exaggerating. It is creepy. And if you're not on TikTok, you you do not know how creepy this algorithm is. It's insane. Like you can just think about something. Like just you don't Google it. You don't say it out loud. You can think about Haagen Dazs ice cream bars, and within two days it will show up on your for you page. Talk about manifesting. The TikTok algorithm knows how to manifest, okay? Anywho, and then came summer 2020, and I definitely had more of a social life by then. This was pre-vaccine, of course. This was the first summer of COVID, but my social life was quite limited, and then George Floyd, unfortunately, was murdered, and as we all remember, massive protests broke out, and at that point, I had so much to say, and I was on Facebook seeing so much misinformation, and I was like, I just wish I could sit these people down and explain what's really going on in this pandemic, because there were so many conspiracy theories and information that's based off of the ignorance, because people don't know what health departments are, people don't know what public health is, other outbreaks and what those have looked like, and a lot of people don't know that survivability rate is not an actual statistic that we use at all in epidemiology. I've literally never heard of that. Survivability, literally, (laughs) what is that word? And also, as a biracial Black woman, which I am if you didn't know, um, I had a lot to say about racism too, and I learned a lot about race and racism during my college years. And and I wanted to talk about these things, but I knew posting on Facebook was like a fool's errand. Like, what's the point? And I actually decided to deactivate my Facebook at the time, and it's been deactivated ever since, which I highly recommend to everyone. Facebook is just terrible. Don't get on. Everyone deactivate your Facebook in 2020. Oh, excuse me, I burped. In 2022, okay? See how your mind will change over a month or two after deactivating it? Trust me. Actually, and maybe try that with Instagram and Twitter as well. Anyway, that's a different conversation for a different time. Maybe I'll talk about that in another episode. But, um, so I went to Snapchat, actually, and I started making these, like, town hall posts where I talk about um, a subject like defund the police and ask people for their input. And um, my friends on Snapchat were like actually really, really involved and into these like Snapchat town halls that I would host. And people would see other people's responses. And it was just all really fun and interesting. And around this time, I had seen some YouTube videos by the amazing Kelly Stamps. I love Kelly Stamps. If you don't follow her on YouTube or subscribe or whatever on YouTube, then you should. She's really, really funny. And she made some videos about making money online because she was posting YouTube videos for like a year or something. 
and then started making some money and then at some point she just kind of blew up and now she makes like oh she's got to make at least like three hundred thousand dollars a year if not more um she has like really high adsense too which is crazy and i was like i'm already kind of posting online content but only my friends could see it so i might as well kind of try to do something like that, like start a YouTube channel. But I knew TikTok would be a lot, lot easier to make content on for a variety of reasons. So I decided to give TikTok a try and with with the goal of, you know, gaining followers, not making money. I knew I wouldn't really make money on TikTok, <laughs> but I thought maybe eventually this could lead to making money. And it was something that I loved doing and I was doing already for a while. So I was like, okay. And I even told my family, I'm like, I'm going to post on TikTok and get TikTok famous, which is funny because now people say I'm TikTok famous, which is absolutely false. I have, I think, 36,000 followers, which even if you have like millions of followers, you're not really famous. <laughs> I mean, you can be famous on TikTok for sure, but that's not, that's not me. And by the way, my name is at maddie.epidemiologist. If, if you want to go look me up on TikTok, I post epi and public health content. And also a lot of content on race, politics, and whatever I want to talk about. So it's been really fun and a bit stressful sometimes because I do get trolls and the racists will come for me. Okay, now let's really get into what this episode is about, which is the atrocities, the crimes against humanity that people will commit on that app. I mean, I don't even know where to start, so let's discuss some COVID misinformation. If you didn't know, the COVID misinformation on TikTok was bad since the beginning. For me, the first COVID misinformation wave that I remember was the idea that the government was faking COVID deaths. That was like the big thing. And it was so frustrating to me because if you ask these people to explain how causes of death are determined or how death data is even collected, they couldn't tell you one thing. Like, they could not tell you at all how it works, but they will tell you that the government's faking it as if the government is determining anyone's deaths. Um, <laughs> so these people really thought that if you were a doctor... You could just say anyone who died under your care died of COVID. Like, you could just make that up. And they also thought that the doctors would get, like, actual paychecks from the government or the deep state or whatever and would, like, cash in from their dead patients, which obviously is so far off of how insurance and hospitals and health departments work. But, man, do I wish I could cash in that easily. That'd be nice. Another comment or post I would see all the time was someone claiming that their neighbor or their cousin's friend or their son's teacher's twice removed relative had died from a car crash, but that it was coded as a COVID death. I saw this every day. And these people are like so embarrassing because if you ask for any sort of evidence or like, oh, like, was this in the news? Like, did you report this for fraud? Because that's fraud then poof, these people are gone so quick. It is so funny. That's a point I really want to make, and that is that there are a lot of conspiracy theorists on TikTok, and they are capable of posting, they're incapable of posting any evidence at all. They cannot do it, and when I tell you they only post evidence to their claims like 1% of the time, and yes, that is a real made-up statistic by me, 
Um, the other 99% of the time, they usually ghost or block you. Like, so quick, like I said, poof, gone. To all the girlies out there with confidence issues, because you keep getting ghosted by your hinge matches, sweetie, you do not know what it's like to get ghosted until you ask conspiracy theorists online for evidence. They ghost you so quick, girl. And I actually do wonder if it's worse for me, because... My profile and my name makes it pretty obvious that I am a scientist and that I'm intelligent and I can I can easily tell if a source is correct or fake or whatever. And I think people um, are quicker to block me because they'll know that whatever janky, fake, or predatory predatory journal articles that they post will be immediately recognized by me. Like, I, I'm not going to fall for these. And these, these fake science websites, these fake journals, do look pretty convincing a lot of the time. But if you work in the field, then you can, you can tell pretty quickly that they're not real. And that's another, that's a whole other thing. There's just so much fake science out there. And there's these websites out there called predatory journals. So regular journals are these organizations that will post scientific research in them. Like they will post them and it's a publication. That's what they are. And predatory journals are websites that pretend to be these publications or these publishing organizations or whatever you call them. (laughs) They will post like really crappy, not peer-reviewed or unedited scientific literature, um, which calling it scientific literature is being very, very generous because some of these articles on these websites are just insanity. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I do think they do make money somehow by tricking young or dumb scientists into paying to get their articles published, which is all just a giant scam. In the science world, when you publish your writing through a journal, you want other scientists to cite your work. And the number of citations you get off of a paper is one of the indications that your article is useful in your field and that people are really reading your work, which is kind of the goal. But the vast majority of articles in predatory journals are never cited because if you are a scientist who has research experience, you know about predatory journals and you would never cite from them. Unfortunately, the public doesn't really know about any of this, and these websites sometimes look pretty convincing to someone who doesn't know. For example, I was on TikTok Live a couple weeks ago, and I had a conspiracy theorist come in, and I was like, okay, cite your source, go. And she posted a predatory journal, and (laughs) I googled it while I was on TikTok Live, and or I went on the, the journal website, and it even had like Yale logos. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. My voice is getting weird. I'm a little hungover, like I said. It had Yale logos all over it. And Yale would never associate <laughs> with the predatory journal. I don't know how they get away with using their logos. Um, but I guess only a very, very small population of people probably get onto those websites um, because, you know, conspiracy theorists. Well, I guess they're a little, they're a lot more common now, but they are a loud minority. And people who are actually associates of Yale, like, um, like their workers and their students are definitely not getting on those websites. So I'm sure Yale has no idea that their logos are being used by these fake scientists. Um, so another big issue on TikTok that I've seen is the racism, the homophobia, the Islamophobia, the sexism, you name it. I made a series about systemic racism, right? Because a big claim by people who don't believe that systemic racism is a thing 
is that they'll say like, okay, name one current day example of systemic racism. And they think it's like a gotcha because a good amount of the examples of systemic racism that people use are historic examples. Um, but what these people don't understand is that when um, we are talking about these things that happened in the past, we talk about how they still actively affect people today. And I'm 99.9% .9 sure that the whole name, name an example of systemic racism thing is a Ben Shapiro quote or something, because I, I associate that with Ben Shapiro. I'm pretty sure that's a Ben Shapiro thing. Y'all, I really need to make a Ben Shapiro episode because um, this is why I made a podcast, because I have so many opinions and commentary that nobody asked about, but I'm still going to deliver. But yeah, the trolls really get out of hand. Someone has attempted to dox me. Um, this is another atrocity of TikTok. All the all the doxing. And if you didn't know, doxing is when someone will post your address or personal information, usually with the intent to scare or intimidate or even harm you or send people to your house, encourage people to go to your house. And it's really terrifying to try to stay private as possible, like I do. And then people will come in and comment like where you live. And it's really creepy. And luckily, nobody, <laughs> nobody like knows where I live now. Um, where I live now, I keep as anonymous as possible. I don't talk about it. And um, don't talk about the school I went to. I only say that I live in the South. That's it. That's all you get for now. <laughs> And yeah, I don't want a stalker, which is also why I have my LinkedIn even on private, <laughs> because I, I just don't want it like public and out there. I don't care if, you know, a couple people know that's not a big deal. Anyway, these trolls will send they will send death threats to you. I've made several different friends on TikTok who are also content creators and they have had some serious problems and have had to even have talks with their workplaces, their HR department at work, which is really embarrassing. And I feel bad that they've had to do that um, just because the trolls are so crazy that they will even try to call their workplaces and get them fired. And um, it's actually very scary. So I've learned my lesson through others to just keep as much of my life as private as possible. Obviously, I post about my opinions and I'm starting to talk more about my personal life on this podcast, but I, I'm not, I'm not about to share where I live or where I work, especially that will never be public until I possibly move to a bigger city in a couple years. Maybe I will share more about my personal life, um, there, but I'm not there yet. And I want to talk about my grad school experience too, and my specific program but it's probably good to wait a couple years anyway, because then I can give you a more accurate view of if it was worth it with the student loans and everything. So it'll probably be better to wait a couple years anyway. Okay, so another thing I've seen on this um, app is fake scientists. So I saw a woman in particular claim to be an infection preventionist, but either she was the worst infection preventionist ever or she has not, she was not who she said she was, because she had very little knowledge about infection control. And I'm not an infection preventionist, but obviously I know a lot about transmission and pathogens and epi, which a lot of people who are IPs um, do have an MPH degree. So I don't know, I just find it sad because I've seen very little of what IPs do and 
I felt like I knew so much more about transmission than she did. And I was like, sis, like what's going on? You're like twice my age. And you've said you've been on this field forever. Like, how do you not know this stuff? And it's not like I really say that to people. I I try not to be like too mean or anything. (laughs) But this woman clearly had, and this is just one example of so many, this woman clearly had like a college freshman level understanding of disease, right? But the issue is some of these people, they claim to be scientists, epis, um, infection preventionists, or whatever. And some of these titles are not regulated in the same way that a nurse or a doctor those titles are. So nurses and doctors and lawyers and several other professions, if you claim to be one and you're not, it's actually really illegal. Like you can go to jail or prison or whatever. And these professions, you have to take board exams or other exams in order to earn that title. But technically, as an epidemiologist or other types of scientists, We don't actually have boards or anything. In order to earn that title officially and honestly, you just have to get hired into that role. But the catch, of course, is that 99% of the time, you need a certain degree and background to get hired to be that specific role as that scientist or epidemiologist. So at the end of the day, these people are able to claim being scientists without the same repercussions as they would if they were claiming to be a doctor and to give medical advice. So from what I've seen, I see a lot more people claiming to be a researcher or an epi or an infection preventionist online than I ever have seen people claiming to be a doctor or a nurse. Now, are there the rogue doctors and especially the rogue nurses? I'm sorry, there are way more rogue nurses out there than there are rogue doctors. And that's no offense to nurses. I actually think I have many opinions about nurses. I Nurses are amazing. You guys uphold the entire medical field. So all respect to them. And I don't want to say they're better than doctors in a lot of way, but their role is so underestimated. And I think nurses are actually very, very underpaid, just like teachers. Anywho, um, but there are like a lot more anti-vax, MLM, just rogue nurses out there that I'm like, how did you pass your science classes, sis? Like, how did how did that happen? But again, I hope nobody takes that as disrespect to nurses. You guys really uphold the entire medical system. And I think you all are underpaid and disrespected way too often. Anyway, um, I'm just talking about that minority of people that are crazy. Anyway, um, another issue going on is just as bad, but with an entirely different intention. And that is people trying to honestly help and give out accurate scientific information, but not being able to interpret and communicate science correctly because of a lack of experience or knowledge. So people like the big TikTok news reporters or I've seen like big TikTokers who kind of just make commentary videos and are just kind of a personality on the app. They aren't trying to be nefarious and they aren't conspiracy theorists or anything like that. They just can't interpret or and communicate science correctly. And it's sad because they are trying to spread the right messages to their audience, but ultimately end up still causing harm. And I think a lot of this phase of TikTok is over, or at least on my For You page it is. I think a lot of people just are sick of talking about COVID, and I I just don't hear people talk about it as often. But this was especially a big thing last summer in 2020. And I think a lot of that particular issue is due to people reading headlines only or seeing TikToks about something and then wanting to amplify that message. But 
it's just crappy journalism or crappy scientific communication, and it's not going to be thorough if you kind of just amplify headlines. And I get it because everyone, including myself, makes plenty of mistakes when communicating science. Like recently I posted the wrong graph <laughs> on a video and everyone made fun of me in the comments because I said it was like a linear graph and it was an exponential or a log graph or something like that. And I was like, oops, wrong type of graph. <laughs> um, anyway, it's whatever. At the end of the day, I just wish people, instead of trying to communicate science themselves if they don't have the background or the knowledge or the ability to. I wish they would focus more on amplifying the voices of people who are qualified to talk about those things. Just because if you have that deeper understanding, you're a lot less likely to make communication errors compared to someone who does not have that knowledge. Okay, I'm sure I'll talk more about TikTok throughout this podcast, throughout the episodes, um, but I think that's enough examples for now. <laughs> but now I want to talk a little bit about the repercussions of all of this. In my opinion, the biggest public health repercussion that I see from the scientific misinformation on TikTok is the vaccine hesitancy. I won't go too hard into this subject because it should be its own episode, really, but... Before COVID existed, vaccines were not a political issue. And I'm sure, again, I'm sure I'm going to talk about this multiple times because I think this is a huge thing that a lot of people do not understand. Before COVID existed, vaccines were not a political issue. And what I mean by that is that neither political party had really any opposition to vaccines, really any at all. And there were actually several studies as well as news articles on this topic before COVID, and some studies have shown that there are slight associations with the Democratic Party or with the liberals or progressives and anti-vax, while other studies have shown some associations with Republicans or conservatives and anti-vax. But overwhelmingly, the research as well as the general knowledge, because it is just kind of obvious, is that neither party was anti-vax at all. And what I mean by it's kind of obvious is that if you watch the news, if you listen to politicians, community leaders, looked on social media, etc., before COVID, you really could not find many prominent politicians or people in the political world, like political pundits, to be anti-vax. That was very uncommon. And I really don't know of any that were. The anti-vax community ha has been growing a lot in the last decade, but most prominent leaders and politicians and, and news people, like people on CNN or Fox or whatever, most people like that were not anti-vax. But social media has helped spread anti-vaccine messages ramp rapidly, and we know very well that this has become more prominent in the conservative or right-wing or Republican political spaces. And if you don't believe me, there is research studies on this, but also, like, just turn on political media, and it will be very obvious that right-wing media is not trying to hide their anti-vaccinism, if that's a word. Is that a word? We should make it one. And don't get me wrong, like, I, <laughs> I can recognize the faults of both political parties, let me tell you. I am not 
My soul does not belong to the Democratic Party. I am only a registered Democrat out of obligation because it is the only party that has votes that is closest to my political values. Anyway, nobody asked about that. But yes, so I think all types of media, so social media, the news, which most people nowadays seem to get their news from social media, so honestly, it's kind of all in one in the same. But it has very obviously allowed the political arena to change so rapidly. I mean, how else could a political party go from a completely pro-vaccine to a lot of anti-vaccine within a year? That is insane. And I think it's only possible because of social media. But that isn't to say that the only vaccine-hesitant or anti-vaccine people are right-wing. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that that political party has turned pro-vax and is now a lot more anti-vax. And that transition is very fast and has reached a lot of people because of social media and, you know, the politics of the last couple years have just been insane. Honestly, the last, like, six years have just been, like, insane. Since 2015, really. But anyway, uh, yeah, vaccine-hesitant people are not always right-wing at all. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, there are pe- plenty, plenty of people throughout the political spectrum, and um, there always have been. And like I said, it, it, it just is less balanced than it was before. That's at least um, the impression that I get and the studies that I've seen But if anybody has any conflicting evidence for that, email it to me. And by the way, I'm not that person who just gets on the internet and calls people stupid or dumb or like makes fun of people for not getting vaccinated. That's not my goal and that's actually not my thing at all. I actually do really empathize and try to understand that there are many reasons why people aren't comfortable getting a COVID vaccine. In the state of the world especially, this world is so crazy, but that also doesn't mean that Like, I still get very frustrated with the harm that the anti-vaccine campaigns online have caused. And I think there's a big difference between the anti-vax campaigns, the, the political, all of that, like, versus people just being hesitant to get the COVID vaccine, which a lot of people are just because it's so new and a lot of people don't have the basic understandings about how that type of scientific research is conducted and therefore they don't understand that. Um, even though it feels very rushed, um, because in a lot of ways it is, if you like, if you think about the overall timeline, but a lot of people don't understand that the actual parts of the of the research, like the actual science part of the process, was on the same exact timeline. But the reason that these vaccines usually take so long, like five to ten to twenty years to develop, is because of red tape and waiting and and getting edits back and getting getting back from the IRB and all of these things that take a long time. I'm conducting research right now on the COVID vaccine with a, a small team at a vaccine clinic in my community. And we've been working on this project for almost a year just because there's so much. It just takes and majority, majority, like, ni- like 80, 90 percent of the time of working on this project is just waiting for to hear back from these these boards and these committees and these organizations that have to check our ethics and get us our data and um, clean our data and call like meetings and all of these things, but 
when you do that for the COVID vaccine, it's like everything was so rapid because for those teams, I can only imagine. And I don't I don't think I know anybody who works on the COVID vaccine development for Pfizer or Moderna or anything. I don't think I know any people personally, but I can only imagine that those people on those teams were working around the clock for a year because I cannot imagine like to read those huge you know, documents and do all that stuff so quickly. Whew, that would be a lot of work. Anyway, that's a different tangent. <laughs> but, you know, I do empathize with people who are vaccine hesitant for that reason, because a lot of people just simply don't understand that the actual science was not rushed. And really, like 90% of that, those like five to 10 years it takes to develop a drug or a like biologic or like any pharmaceutical product, it, it really is just hearing back from people and and getting things approved it it has nothing to do with the actual science but yeah i do get very frustrated when it comes to the like the science denialism the anti-vaccines the politics and i mean just like look at the death statistics since around july i believe the overwhelming majority of covid deaths among unvaccinated individuals not to mention the health repercussions of those who didn't die and so like disability and the effects of the this pandemic um, has had on our mental health and the economy. And these campaigns really just drag out the misery and, you know, people die because of it. And it and it affects every aspect of our lives, like having to wear a mask to school and having to do all of these tests and things in order to live your life. That is so annoying and everybody hates it. And we want to get back to our normal lives and because of these campaigns, our normal lives are have had to change a lot. I don't want to say are put on hold because at this point, I think we're done with the whole shutdown thing. I, I really do. I don't think many places are going to do that anymore unless it's like out of complete necessity. Like they literally don't have the staff to open or something like that. But I think in general, these citywide or statewide even shutdowns, I think they're over, honestly. I think everybody's so over it. And especially with the vaccine, um, in a lot of ways, I do think it's that would be unnecessary. With the information and the tools that we have now, I don't think that's going to be a thing again, um, unless some crazy variant went through that was very, very different and we were back to square one. But we are not manifesting that not manifesting at all. But there's a lot of moving parts um, and actors in this. Getting back to what I was talking about earlier, the onus is on like the CDC, both presidential administrations, the governors, some crappy scientists, and so many more people are responsible for making this pandemic miserable, honestly. Um, but I do think it is important to have these discussions about how social media propagates misinformation so rapidly and I just can't get over how incredibly insane it is that the culture of one political party just changed their stance so rapidly within a year. Anyway, thank you to anyone who listened to this entire episode. It's kind of long. And I will talk to you guys next week. I hope you have a great week. Bye!